Welcome to Rethink Retail, the show where we dive into the stories and strategies behind some of the most successful brands on the planet. From brick and mortar giants to e-commerce disruptors, we uncover the secrets to their success and deliver the keys to true retail transformation. So ask yourself, are you ready to rethink retail? The future of retail starts now. Welcome to another Rethink Retail exclusive. I'm your host, Kiran Anand, and with me today at the flagship store in Columbus Circle is Andrew Burke, president of Robert Graham and Avrix. Andrew, thank you for being here today. Thanks for having me. Andrew has successfully led the brand and the team over the past seven years. He's launched categories including women's wear, the golf performance line known as Clubhouse, which I personally love. He's led many tech stack improvements, optimization efforts, including customer intelligence, e-commerce, point of sale. Currently, the brand has 27 freestanding stores, its D2C channel, and partners with luxury wholesalers. Before we jump into Robert Graham, I want to share a bit about your background, your journey uh, within the retail and fashion industry, mm-hmm. from the early days of sourcing a gap to theory, and then maybe what led you to Robert Graham. So my journey started, I uh, grew up in New York, I went to University of Virginia, graduated with a foreign affairs major and delved into the world of retail, which was unexpected for me because I had really no ties, no family that that started there. I went out to the West Coast and joined Gap Inc. in their inaugural retail management program, which gave me exposure to marketing, merchandising, planning, and production. And I ultimately went into production with Old Navy and spent a few years sourcing out of uh, Mexico, the Caribbean, uh, Central America, and then ultimately went into merchandising for uh, Old Navy as well. I took that to Abercrombie & Fitch in Columbus, Ohio for a couple of years. And then I had the pleasure of launching a brand for Ralph Lauren called Rugby. Mm-hmm. And that was in 2004. I came back to New York and worked alongside Ralph himself and senior uh, level management there to launch what I still think was one of the most special brands to ever. Uh, I remember that brand. I love that brand. Yeah, yeah. it's yeah. really incredible. And uh, we spent about I spent about eight and a half years opening stores domestically in London, Tokyo, uh, e-commerce, and really uh, revolutionized, I think, the whole preppy world uh, with that rugby brand. And really, uh, that ignited a whole slew of brands from that experience. In 2012, I went to work with uh, Andrew Rosen at Theory and uh, ran the men's division of Theory for about four years, uh, which was really an incredible time in menswear specifically. Uh, Men really started becoming the targeted consumer. They were much more focused on how they were dressing. Contemporary was a movement that really yep. uh, was exciting in, in, during that time. And I had the, I would guess, the most distinct pleasure of my career coming here in 2016 to be president of Robert Graham, where I've been ever since. You mentioned a lot of well-known brands. You also mentioned some iconic leaders, right? You, you talked about Gap, so that's Mickey Drexler, mm-hmm. you know, working alongside Ralph Lauren at Rugby. And then you mentioned the other Andrew, Andrew Rosen. Right. We, we know, we would call him the other Andrew, right? That's okay. uh, at, the at, first Andrew. Yeah. <laughs> at, at Theory. Did you pick up anything specific from each <clears throat> iconic leader? And are you implementing or how are you implementing that within your team today? I couldn't have crafted this journey better from the outset. I think I got part luck and part strategic, but I'll, I'll say there's always a lot of luck in this stuff. But working for The Gap in the late 90s, when during Khaki's swing era and when Mickey was king of the world, um, I really learned how to become a great merchant. And Mickey was always, you know, know your numbers, know the product that's selling. He would walk the floors, he'd keep you on your toes and make you trust your gut. So I would say I learned that gut instinct merchandising acumen from Mickey. 
if I talk about Ralph, Ralph is the king of storytelling. He's the king of brand building. Yeah. I mean, that's how he built his empire that is uh, Ralph Lauren. And he's always stayed true to that vision. And that comes across in everything that he does from the carpets in the showroom to the how the tie is tied uh, to how the shoulder fits on a jacket to ultimately how you experience the product in stores or through his marketing ads. And he knows exactly what he wants. And that is ingrained throughout the organization. He knows ties. He definitely knows ties. <laughs> it started with the tie. Yeah. And then uh, Andrew Rosen, I would say from a business standpoint, an incredible businessman. He also really understands product and knows what will sell, understanding that each skew in the line has a purpose, that you don't just create product to put more product on the shelves, that you could do more with less. And I, I really developed my relationships with the wholesalers, with being alongside Andrew. Yeah, I would say gut instinct, storytelling, brand building, and this apparel industry as a real business. Those yeah. were the three things I took yeah, from this. That, that, that's pretty amazing. Um, you know, well, let's back up. It's, it's actually really serendipitous. You launched Rugby with Ralph, and there's a gentleman by the name of Robert Stock, who we're going to talk about now, right. launched Chaps with Ralph as well. That is absolutely true. That's in a, the that's 70s, a, yeah, yes. that's a common denominator. So a lot of our listeners might not know Robert Stock, Graham mm -hmm. Flower, the, the story uh, of the two designers. Can you tell us a little bit about the origins of Robert sure. Graham and then also the evolution <clears throat> over the past 22 years? Yeah, I'd love to. So in 2000, Robert Stock, who was a successful apparel designer and salesperson in the industry, he had his own line of clothes called Robert Stock. And he, as you mentioned, had worked with some, you know, some of the leaders in the industry as well, decided that the menswear industry was ready for a shakeup. He met a guy named Graham Fowler, who was a textile designer primarily, but also a real innovator in the field. And they combined forces. They took the Robert from Robert and the Graham from Graham and called it Robert Graham. It's an interesting story. Robert was walking through one of the fabric shows called PV, Premier Vision, yeah. yes, over in Paris. And Graham would create these one-of-a-kind shirts that a lot of apparel designers would buy. So you'd get the designers from maybe from Ralph, from Tommy Hilfiger, from fashion houses yeah. that would buy a one-of-a-kind shirt that Graham would sell, and they would use it as inspiration to design. So maybe they would take, oh, look at the interesting collar on that shirt. Let's take that as inspiration. Oh, look, they did this patch here. Let's do that. But Robert said, okay, you're making these incredible one-of-a-kind shirts. Why not make 300 of them? Why not make 500 of them and sell them? Yeah. So that was the idea that really sparked Robert Graham was create one-of-a-kind shirts that could be commercial in selling hundreds, hopefully thousands of them. And they developed a supply chain with a factory out of India that allowed the manufacturing of the shirts to be just so that they could sell them at a profit mm -hmm. and the customers would really feel like they were buying this very limited edition kind of thing. And that's how the brand started. Yeah. You, you used to even have the numbers, right? The well, we still do. Oh, that, yeah. The limited edition, edition enterprise yeah. is still well intact. It's, yeah, I would call it our special sauce. Yeah. Nobody's ever been able to duplicate it. And yeah. it's really a big part of that supply chain that we developed. You know, I, I think another special sauce of Robert Graham, and thank you for that backstory, but another special sauce of Robert Graham are the patterns, the design, the yeah. art of Graham, right? And then the commercialization of Robert, right? So can you take our audience and our listeners maybe into the behind the scenes of a design and development? I know you have so many different categories and collections, but let's focus on your men's shirting, something you're really known well for. Right. The development, the design, how far out are you working? Sure. What does the process look like? I think we're 
similar in timing to the way a lot of clothing apparel brands work. They're 12 to 15 months mm. out when they start thinking about that season. So, you know, what now we're in December and we're thinking about spring 2025, mm -hmm. you know, and the design inspiration that's going to inspire spring 25 into summer 25 as well. Some people work further out, some people are a little closer. That inspiration process is in parallel paths. So there's a business side to it and there's a creative side to yep. it. I think you're asking more about the creative side, yep. but the business side really informs, okay, here's how we're planning the business. Here's ultimately how many SKUs we'll develop and cull down the business plan into a, into a merchandising SKU plan. But the way creative is working is they're thinking about where are we taking the customer this season? What's now we call them passion points, and we haven't really gotten into our customer yet. They have a sphere of what I would call the sphere of their passion points, sphere of luxury. Right? They love cars, they love watches, they love travel, they love wine. And that's what's so fun about yeah. this brand is, yeah. you know, that's what we get to think about a lot. What we think about is where do we want to take the customer in a particular season? And this past year, one of our design inspiration boards was called The Good Life. And we thought about different travel destinations that could inspire our collector, whether it's Monaco or whether it's Aspen and mm -hmm. everything in between. And they pull pictures, they pull swipe, uh, they'll pull color palette that really speaks to what that inspiration is. And then the creative artisans that are our designers, and we have a lot of creative people in the, in the company, will take that inspiration and start applying it into graphics, into prints, into details things you might find on the cuff that would little nuances because we're the devil's in the detail with this brand. So even if you have a solid sweater, you could open it up and see this great sunset as embroidered in the back yoke that was inspired from a sunset in Hawaii in a picture from Hawaii. But there's a common thread through the assortment that speaks to the kind of destination we wanted to yeah. bring our customers for that season. So that creative process then leads to we have about six really creative surface designers in our company that are constantly making great prints, different uh, embroidery techniques. We'll work with print vendors as well, where, where, okay. where we'll you know, uh, buy certain prints. But usually, whatever we take, uh, we're altering it somehow to make it our own. Got it. And we'll never duplicate it. That's the most amazing thing about the brand. We'll have some basics in the yeah. line that you'll yeah. see season after season. But a print is usually always done once. And I think that's what our collectors find really special about our brand. Yeah, so, so it's amazing. You touched upon the customer a little bit. You called them collectors. Mm -hmm. You mentioned they enjoy the luxury life or the high life. Right. Can we dive in a little bit more to the customer profile? Who is the Robert Graham customer? Yeah. I like to call them the best customers in the world. I, and I mean it. And I, I think about my 26 years of in this industry and the great brands I work for, that nothing inspires me more than interacting with our collectors because they're just the most interesting, dynamic, fun people who have a point of view, mm. they have a voice, they have style, and they've got great personalities. And they have high disposable income. Yes. <laughs> so when I think about our collectors, you know, and I talk about those passion points, Robert Graham fits into that sphere of luxury for them. They're passionate, they're highly loyal too. And I'll take you through some of the tenets of our brand, like some pillars that we think about as shared values with our customer. The three of them are confidence, creativity, and community. So confidence, walking into the store, you get hit with a lot of color. You get hit with a lot of pattern. Yes. Right? You're wearing a solid sweater. I'm wearing a solid yeah. sport coat. 
it takes confidence to A, walk into this store and B, want to put this stuff on your back, right? It takes a confident person Absolutely. to want to dress up in a, in a colorful print or, or take a risk on a style. But the interesting thing is once you get into a product of ours, you're going to walk out that door and I guarantee it, I'll put money on this, you'll get a compliment or multiple compliments. And that's going to give you confidence yes. because you're going to all of a sudden feel great. Nobody was complimenting me before on my, you know. It's a self-fulfilling prophecy. So it's a self-fulfilling prophecy. So the confidence is a shared value that you put on the product, you get your compliments, you get confidence, and then you're more confident to push it further, right? Then before you know it, you're wearing our limited editions. and That's a you, sticky product. It's a, so <laughs> very sticky. So you have handlers outside the store complimenting you. Yeah, of course. Yeah, right. We pay them. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so that confidence is something that I, I believe is what keeps our customers coming back. Yeah. Creativity is, you know, we just talked about the creative process. This is a very creative brand from the way we design to how we showcase it. If you look around the store, obviously, there's a lot of creativity. But the people who engage with the product and buy it, our collectors are super creative, creative in their field. They're great artists, musical artists, painters, athletes, entrepreneurs, people in the medical field who are pushing boundaries. They're real creative people, and they like to communicate their personality through our clothes, hmm. right? So that all of a sudden, Robert Graham becomes a part of their personality, their creative personality. So creative people, creative product, and they get to showcase their self-expression. And then community, I think, is really incredible. As well as we're doing and as big as we are, 27 stores and great e-commerce business, a lot, you know, four or 500 wholesale touch points around the country, 25 years almost in business. We're still pretty undiscovered in some ways, you know, and actually, I think our collectors really enjoy that kind of club like feel. They feel like they're part of a community. So, again, to the compliment piece, if you are walking through the airport or you're at a restaurant and if you're wearing a Robert Graham shirt and you see another guy in a Robert Graham shirt, you're going to feel this instant connection because, you know, you know, if you yeah. know, you know, it's that type of thing. Yeah. One other thing we've done, which is very unique to the brand is. Ever since the inception of the brand till today, there's something that we put on every garment, no matter where it is. It's on our polos, our jeans, our shirts, our sport coats. And it's called knowledge, wisdom, truth. And KWT is what some people call it. It's kind of a little credo that harkens a kind of a yes. secret society yes. type of yes. feel. And, you know, I think what's most interesting about it is we don't tell people what it means. But everybody has their own opinion on what it means. If you know, you know. If you know, you know. Yeah. So a lot of great things there. You talked about the community being extremely creative. Have you ever had an opportunity or have you has the brand done this where they take feedback from some of these community members? Absolutely. Into future collections? Absolutely. We've done surveys. Uh, yeah. We'll do that every year. We've talked about doing more roundtables. And yeah. I think that with COVID, that became... Maybe something that we had started that initiative, it paused and we need to pick it back up. But where we're sitting today in this brick and mortar store, that's one of the beauty of our stores is our store managers and assistant managers are our personnel have relationships hmm. with our collectors that we're talking to them daily. We also host a lot of our collectors in our own showroom here in New York City. When they come to town, this is one of their stops that they come, not just the store, but to our showroom because we have that relationship. And that connection that we have with our collectors is it's constant feedback, it's constant communication, and it really develops that loyalty yeah, for the brand. Of course. Um, we 
obviously do reviews on our site. Uh, we have a customer service team that's also talking to people who are placing e-commerce orders, et cetera. But we like to go beyond just the typical connection with the consumer. So you have the feedback loops. That's great. Yeah. And you've increased the size of the community. You've launched Women's in, in 2018. Yep. You've added an active line, which is the golf clubhouse line, right. the line that I love. And then and now you're obviously expanding the, the shirts into different price points and different categories as well. What more can your team do there? Which category do you feel uh, might be a real growth driver in 2024? The three things you mentioned are all on our growth drivers initiatives for 24. We have wind in our sails in all of those, right? So I'll just start with maybe the the main big nut here, which is we do feel it's important to cast a wider net with the brand because we have a desire to grow. That comes from product, comes from marketing, comes from new distribution. Mm -hmm. You mentioned price points. We're not really altering our price points, but maybe... The entry into the brand is capturing a different price point that's 10 or $20 lower or also developing product that's even higher where we don't have any price resistance when we do things that are super special, like a $1,300 shirt that has gold embroidery stitching on it, real gold, by the way, wow. and will sell out. So we have the opportunity on, on all fronts. But when we cast a wider net that is different end uses, our collectors that love our brand, where else are they spending their time? Are we catering to them at the events they go to? We're starting an initiative that we're calling Red Carpet. Red Carpet is all about event dressing, whether it's uh, a subtle tuxedo or that dynamite sport coat that you want to wear out to an event. So thinking about the end use like we did with Clubhouse, Mm -hmm. uh, which I'll talk about next, our guy was going to the, the golf course or his clubhouse in a Robert Graham shirt. He would change into a different product to play golf. And then he would come off the golf course and he'd put on his Robert Graham shirt and he would go to have dinner. Well, why can't we dress him in between? So thinking about opportunities from an end use perspective that we know where our collector is thriving, living, enjoying his life or her life, which brings me to women's. You know, we looked and more than 50 percent of the purchases, despite it all being menswear, were bought by women. And that happens a lot, a lot of time. Yeah. Men were coming into the store with their wives or their girlfriends. And that whole experience really led us to understand we had a women's opportunity, an immediate captive audience, certainly through our own stores. But also we felt that the way we designed and developed product, that we would be able to capture white space for some women's opportunity. And so far, we're in all of our own stores. We're on our own e-com, but we're also in Neiman's and Saks, Nordstrom. Ecom, and we also have great specialty store partners like mom and pop shops yep. around the country, north of 50 of them selling our women's wear. Both all of those have wind in their sails, and we think that there's opportunity to grow. Is, is there one in terms of growth that you think might out, out drive the rest, or, or do you not want to? <clears throat> well, right now, women's is the fastest growing. Growing. I mean, if I'm just you yeah. know, looking at year new initiatives year, year, year over year, year uh, it's doing really well. Great. So what's interesting, you probably said the word collectors over a dozen times. Yeah. And I've heard... I've been trained. Yeah. Well, (laughs) good comps team. And I've heard our guests at Global Retail Leaders call them members, Mm -hmm. guests, you know. Collectors is the first. Do you think you might advance this collection or collectors to kids and have a Bobby Graham one day? Or I don't know. What do you... 
It's funny you mentioned that, and honestly, this is there's nothing scripted here. You and I are just yeah. having a, a dialogue. This is a private I conversation. Was, I just was you and yeah, just you and I. Yeah, I was out last night. Yeah, uh, for a quick beer with a colleague who, and then other people there who are in the industry, and one of them brought up kids and came up with a great name. I can't share it because it's I haven't even told anyone on my team yet because this is brand new. But it wasn't Bobby Graham, and yeah. I think to your question kids uh, could be and should be a great opportunity. Yeah. We've had boys product in the past. Yep. I've had people recently ask about the opportunity to dress their boys yep. specifically for events, be it a bar mitzvah or yeah, absolutely. some of the graduation, because uh, there's not a lot of great shirts out there for, They're for, not. for boys. So and yes, I, there is an opportunity. And as you mentioned, 50% or a majority or a lot of the sales are being done by women, even for the men. Right. I could see ninety-five percent. I could see a mom right. buy it for her son 100%. and husband. Yeah. Yes. So we'll be on the lookout for the kids line, and, and if it's you. Bobby Graham, I will be calling you. <laughs> you know, we talked about the distribution channel. You talked about the twenty-seven stores, D to C. You mentioned Neiman's, Nordstrom, Saks, a bunch of uh, luxury key wholesalers, and your specialty stores. How are you maintaining the Omni experience for your collector? Well, we've done a lot with the direct-to-consumer business over the last seven years. And today, we're north of 60% direct-to-consumer. So 27 stores, mostly full-price stores, some outlet stores, okay. with a robust flagship e-commerce business. And we think that's a very healthy mix for a luxury brand today to be able to control the customer journey, the customer experience, deliver a great brand experience, and ultimately to own that data with your customer to be able to service them best. That being said, I, I think wholesale's gotten a bad rap over the last five to 10 years with the onset of e-commerce and, and DTC, thinking that it's a dying business. It's not, it's not dying. It's actually, there are some that are dying and the bad ones are, are not doing where you wanna do business, but the right partners really complete what I think is the right omni-channel experience for a brand like ours or another whether it's affordable luxury, contemporary luxury brand, I think wholesale plays a great role in that ecosystem. Brand exposure, being able to get into communities where you otherwise couldn't expose your brand. Testing a new um, market. Testing a new market, absolutely. We have great wholesale partners and we're gonna continue to, to build that business. You mentioned the importance of wholesale, specialty, department mm -hmm. store. Obviously, then you said the majority of the sales are direct to consumer, 60%. So. My question is, which one are you prioritizing? Of the multi-channel, right? You've got your shopping shops, you've got your wholesale, you've right. got your e-commerce, and then you've got your 27 stores, and you're opening them almost. You just opened another one, I think, just a few weeks we, ago. And then yeah, we're opening ago. them, and we have more on the docket yeah, for yeah. next year as well. It's hard to say, and you know, I don't want to give a benign answer. It's hard to say which is the priority because they're all priorities. I would, If I had to rank them, I think... The e-commerce business probably has the most opportunity for growth in the, if I look three years out, yep. because of where we are and where I think we could get to. So that, in that sense, I guess it's the priority. Okay. The amount of work that goes into opening stores is no easy feat to run the stores, right? So there's, there's always a priority in terms of how you're attracting the right people in your stores, how you're building out your space, how you're managing that whole lease process. And then wholesale today is, it's... For brands that are growing their direct-to-consumer business, yeah. it's a dance to figure out how to really still be relevant in wholesale as well. 
right? Because you're almost yeah. now competing a little bit. And we're figuring out ways to make the brand as relevant for them as we were before we had a big direct-to-consumer business and finding ways, whether it's through exclusivity of product or managing uh, the flow of product so that they feel like they could do the business they need to do. And we so that's also takes a lot of working that muscle to figure that out. So I would say they're all priorities, but if I had to rank, I guess it's e-commerce. You mentioned you're opening more stores, and, and I know you've opened a bunch of stores this year, Nashville, et cetera, and, yes. and uh, California. And how do you plan where to open the next store? Is, yep, it, is, it, is it e-commerce data? Is yep. it you get the door-to-door sales from your wholesalers? Yep. And the next question is, follow on to that is, a lot of brands I know, once they open a store in a particular area, their e-commerce sales actually skyrocket. They, right. uptake, as it should. Uh, yeah. As it should, yeah. yeah. I mean- some of the data we have done, and this is probably just speaking the obvious, yeah. is if you have a store customer and they're doing their average spend is X and you have an e-commerce customer, their average spend is Y. But if, you, if they're shopping both channels, yeah. it's a more productive customer for you. So clearly getting them into both is ideal. Yeah. And we use our e-commerce data to help us discover new locations for where we want to open stores. We also have great relationships with some of the, the mall landlords that can recommend centers based mm-hmm. on how they know we're performing in certain places. And then when it comes to street locations, whether it's a Charleston or a Nashville yeah. or a Naples, uh, where there's not necessarily malls we want to go into, it's using technology as well that do have the technology today is mind blowing as to how they could tell you where you should open a store based on how other brands are doing in the marketplace or how they know footsteps yeah. or the... Yeah. Or obviously the, the demographics, yeah. the customer and the traffic. So we use that technology as well. Yeah. So it, it's great that you talked about technology because I'm curious, Robert Graham is known for its design, its development, its patterns. What does Robert Graham think about technology, data, and AI? And how are you testing or planning or implementing technology uh, going forward? Yeah, I, look, I'm thinking about I'm utilizing technology. We wouldn't have grown the direct-to-consumer business to where we are without having to do some serious lifts in our technology. We put in a whole new POS system in our stores that really drove our omni-channel yeah. business. We replatformed this when I came into the company to to Shopify on e-commerce. We're constantly implementing technologies on e-commerce. Almost feels like monthly at this point, <laughs> whether it's through personalization email technologies, et cetera, et cetera. So technology is constant in the business and it's ever changing, which is yeah. at this point probably it used to be, how do you design the right product and get it in the right place at the right time? And that's that still exists, yes. that challenge. Now you have to really work that other muscle and, and think about how are you evolving your technology fast enough to keep pace. And so the technology- UI, The UX, 100%. the whole integration. Yes. yes. Whether it's technologies that are expiring that you need to update, but we're thinking about Certainly when I talked about direct-to-consumer owning the customer journey and the data, how do we get even better at that? Because I, I still think we have more opportunity to really know our, our collectors, mm-hmm. understand when they're shopping, where they're shopping, what they're shopping, so that when they come into the store, without the personal relationship that a manager may have, being able to service them in a way that speaks right to their lights and their needs. And when they come on the site, we instantly know them and we're able to communicate with them in a personalized way. That's a major initiative Great. for us. That hyper-personalization, yes. concierge sort yes. of feel. Loyalty yeah. for us is key. It's fun to get new customers into the brand. Yeah. Keeping customers is critical. Yes. It's much more expensive to try to keep 
top of funnel. But we, we're very focused on this whole retention and acquisition and retention being key, especially for this brand. Lastly, you mentioned AI. I mean, AI is, I think everyone's trying to figure out where it goes and how it impacts your day to day. Right now, it's the talk of, of everything and it's touching everything that we do. We do have some AI generated artwork that uh, we are using Amazing. that uh, will be coming out uh, soon. So stay tuned for that. But we are using AI in the design process, which right now is probably the, the furthest we've gotten with AI, but it's, it's very exciting. Any AI wearables in the pipeline? Explain what you mean. AI wearables, like your aura ring, your kind of Apple oh, watches, or IOTs. Like, are you thinking about that sort of AI no, or no? No. Okay. But I love. But thank you again for the idea. It's two now in this. Yes. I've, two oh. ideas. I've yeah. Got. So, so if I see a Robert Graham AI wearable, I will be calling <laughs> you. you see a Bobby Graham kids AI wearable. Then it's still rich. <laughs> <laughs> we talked about looking ahead. Let's let's look down uh, the next three to five years. What are some specific goals you've laid out for your executive team? international expansion, any, any tech innovations? You talked about yeah. technology a lot. So where are your thoughts there? I, I think you'd nail two of them. Was we think about, I, I talked about retention and acquisition. I, I want to make some noise with this brand. I yeah. think that we are, we've done very well, uh, but we've, I would say, flown a little bit under the radar back to that club-like feel. But I think it's time that the brand makes a little bit more noise. So from a marketing standpoint, we'll be having some fun with whether it's showing up at the right events, Formula One, maybe Art Basel, like those types of places where the brand, we know we have a passionate consumer who would love the brand, but maybe hasn't seen us there, wants to see us yeah. there and discover the brand in the right places. So that's an exciting yeah. initiative for us from a marketing standpoint. As I think about growth, we talked about e-com, there's going to be a lot of techn technology enhancements that will help us retain and attract and grow our e-com stores. I think we've got 27 stores today, I think we can easily be a 40 to 50 store chain. It's really going to take the right, obviously, the CapEx to, to roll them out. But, but I think that we've already identified 12 to 15 locations where we could put stores. Amazing. So that's a great opportunity for us as well. And then international, you mentioned we have a great business in Canada today. And then we ship about 8% of our e-commerce orders overseas to other countries, be it Canada, Mexico, Middle East, Korea, et cetera. That's really the majority of the international business we're doing today. And we think, and we're already in discussions with certain territories where the brand can grow. And that'll be a next one to three year initiative to grow that business overseas. A lot of luxury houses get a lot, a, a lion's share of their business in China. Yeah. Is China on the roadmap? I didn't it hear is. that. It, well, it's, it's interesting because it's one of those that I think could be great for the brand, but I think it's the biggest lift for the brand. And to get the brand awareness in China and to do business over there, uh, I haven't nailed the perfect partner yet, but I think the brand, this be the shout, not the echo, that's one, yes. of, our, one of our credos, this idea of living large or yeah. being seen, I do believe it would really resonate yes. there with that consumer. I think it would. I just need to find the right partner. Yeah, but you have to have a local partner. Right. And that's the law there. So. If you're a Chinese partner listening who's looking to open another brand, call me. Call Andrew. I'm going to be calling him when Bobby Graham comes out. You know, we're in the middle of the holiday season right now. Right. And NRF, Adobe Analytics, they've done their, their research on Black Friday, Cyber Monday. They've talked about record sales, about apparel being the big winner in general merchandise. 
what what are you seeing? How 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 is Black Friday, Cyber Monday for you? What were some of the key winners? We're in your flagship here. Can you can you flash? Yeah, absolutely. I'll show you items. some product. Yeah. I'll speak to the premium consumer. Yeah. When, um, because I think this kind of covers the the gamut, right? It does. You know, and I think um, the more mass and maybe some of the bigger box retailers are experiencing slightly different trends than some of the premium partners. And the customer is definitely savvier than ever before. Yeah. And last year they were savvier than the year before. I think these concentrated sale periods did very well. Yep. I'm not sure that that would be the same exact trend for the overall quarter that we're okay. looking at, or certainly the last six to nine months. There have been headwinds. I think that we're seeing the premium consumers spending a lot more on experience and travel. We know how expensive yes. travel's gotten and hotels have, have gotten and airfare. And I, I do believe that there is a desire to, to shop, but I believe they know that there will be promotions. And they, they know they can shop closer to the holiday that they want to yeah. celebrate. And they know that when those kind of concentrated sale periods where they know they'll get the best deal, that's when they flock. So I'm not surprised. We, we had a great Black Friday, yeah. Cyber Monday. And I believe it's not surprising the industry did. The weeks leading up to it and the weeks after it. I think you would get different results. Yeah, and it was very heavily promoted. And right. promotion started earlier this year. I always end with a little bit of rapid fire. What better there way to no prep for this? Close. So this, this, must, this is no actually... prep for, there hasn't been prep for anything. No, so this, was done... all, this was all off the cuff. This is fun. Um, no pun intended. Favorite fashion designer, not Robert Graham. Really? Yeah. Todd Snyder, because he's a friend. Great. What book is on your bedside table? The Giving Tree. One thing you would tell a young professional. I have kids, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> One thing you would tell a young professional entering the fashion or retail industry today? Uh, be authentic. Living or dead, who would you like to have a one-on-one -on -one meal with? Albert Einstein. And top professional goal you're looking to accomplish in the next three to five years? I just did it. I'm on this podcast. Amazing. <laughs> Look at that. Well, Andrew, it was a pleasure helping you accomplish your goal. Thank you. Thank you so much for inviting us at Thank your you. flagship. Happy holidays, and it's been an awesome year getting Thank to you. know you. Thank you very much. This is Kirat Anand signing off for the Rethink Retail Podcast. Until next week. Thank you for listening to the Rethink Retail Podcast. Don't forget to join us next week for another episode. And if you're interested in being a guest on the show, apply at rethink.industries slash podcast guest. That's rethink.industries slash podcast guest. Follow us on Twitter at rethink underscore retail and show some love by subscribing on iTunes podcast app. Until next time.